Welcome to Nations of the World podcast series, where we explore a different nation of the world in each episode. Our aim is to bring you, the listener, on an audio journey to discover interesting facts that make each country unique. Welcome to Angola. This is Segment 1, Bare Bones. The official name of the nation is the Republic of Angola. The inhabitants are referred to as Angolan. The capital is Luanda. The land size is 1,246,700 square kilometers, or 481,353 square miles. It's nearly 14 times the size of Portugal, or slightly less than twice the size of the state of Texas in the United States. The population is 31,825,295. The official language is Portuguese. As far as religion goes, the Constitution defines the state as secular. The currency is Kwanzaa. The flag. It's two equal horizontal bands of red on the top and black underneath, with a centered yellow emblem consisting of a half of a gear wheel open to the left, crossed by a machete with a five-pointed star over the machete, but still inside the gear wheel. The red band represents the bloodshed during the struggle for independence, the black band is representative of the African continent as a whole, and the gear is symbolic of the nation's industrial workers. The machete represents the peasantry. The star is a symbol of socialism. The form of government. It is a republic with a multi-party presidential regime. The chief of state and head of government is the president. Segment 2, Heart of the Nation Geography and Climate Angola is a country on the western coast of southern Africa. It shares a border with Congo and Democratic Republic of Congo to the north, Zambia to the east, Namibia to the south, and the Atlantic Ocean to the west. The terrain is basically a narrow coastal plain which rises abruptly to a vast interior plateau. The lowest point is the Atlantic Ocean, and the highest point is the mountain known as Morro de Moco at 2,620 meters or 1,628 feet. Overall, it has two seasons, a hot, rainy season from November to April, and drought, known as Casimbo, from May to October, which is drier and has lower temperatures. While the coastline has high rainfall rates, decreasing from north at 800 millimeters or 31 inches to the south at 50 millimeters or 2 inches with average annual temperatures above 23 degrees Celsius or 73 degrees Fahrenheit. The interior can be divided into three regions, north with high rainfall and high temperatures, central plateau with a dry season and average temperatures in the order of 19 degrees Celsius, and south with very high thermal amplitudes due to the proximity of the Kalahari Desert and the influence of masses of tropical air. There is an exclave province, Cabinda, which is separated from Angola by a thin strip of the Democratic Republic of Congo. In Cabinda, there is dense, humid forest land, rich in exotic woods. South of Zaire, there is savanna forest land. On the elevated plains, there is open forest land. Further south is the desert area.
Rukana Falls in Angola is one of the largest waterfalls on the continent, measuring 2,300 feet or 700 meters wide and 390 feet or 119 meters high. Another waterfall of note is the Kalandula Waterfalls and is Africa's second highest uninterrupted waterfall after Victoria Falls. It is 344 feet high or 105 meters and 1,312 feet wide or 400 meters. There is a rocky cliff area called Miraduro da Lua or Viewpoint of the Moon. It's an area of yellow ochre color with formations that resemble a lunar landscape due to the centuries of erosion. This is located in Belas, just a few kilometers south of Luanda. There are nine national parks in Angola, in addition to six other reserves as of 2019. Together they cover about 12.6% of the national territory. Before the Angolan Civil War, Iona National Park was known as an animal paradise, rich in big game. Unfortunately, illegal hunting and poaching, as well as the eradication of infrastructure, have caused considerable damage to Iona, as well as most other national parks in Angola. The wildlife in all the parks have been almost completely wiped out after the devastation wrought by decades of war. However, efforts are now underway to replace most of the lost wildlife. The Big Five of Iona National Park now include Springbok Gazelle, the Kudu, Ostrich, Oryx, and the very rare Cheetah. Other animals in the park include Mountain Zebra, Impala, and Clipspringer, which is an antelope. Although the landscape is empty, many animals, especially Springbok, can still be found inside and outside the park. Iona National Park is also known for its unique flora, including the stunning Wellwishia mirabilis, one of the world's oldest living plants, and incredible rock formations. Further, the park is known for its varied bird life, especially along the coastal pans and river basins. Many rippled rows of sand dunes can be seen near the coast, making this vast remote landscape a photographer's dream. Iona National Park is also home to many indigenous peoples, such as the Mikubal and Himba, as well as many Kimbundu groups. Most are subsistent farmers and herders who remain isolated and oblivious to the outside world. The indigenous people of this region have been studied by anthropologists who say they are the most culturally intact on the African continent. Vegetation There are 6,735 plant species that have been recorded in Angola, 1,000 of them endemic, and more are being discovered frequently. South in the desert area of Namib, there is a unique vegetable species known as Wellwichia mirabilis. Wellwichia, as also known as tree tumbo, is endemic to the arid coastal regions of Namibia and Angola. It is a remarkably long-lived plant, with specimens exceeding 1,000 and perhaps even 2,000 years in age, which is why it is commonly referred to as a living fossil. Wellwishia produces only a single pair of leaves, which grow continuously throughout its lifespan. Some have described it as resembling an octopus. The plant absorbs groundwater through a long taproot and also takes in moisture from fog and precipitation. Male and female plants are characterized by distinctive reproductive cones, smaller pinkish-red for the male 
and a combination of larger pink and greenish-blue for female plants. Because of its low reproduction rate and limited habitat, Wellwishia is vulnerable to threats such as overgrazing, damage by off-road vehicles, and disease. The African Boabob, known in Angola as the Imbondiero, is native to much of Africa and is regarded as the largest succulent plant in the world. The enormous, rather squat trunk can reach 28 meters or 92 feet plus in girth, while the tree seldom reached more than 25 meters in height or 82 feet. These dimensions spawned the African belief that God planted the tree upside down. It is the archetypical large, solitary tree of the savanna, although in Angola it also grows in woodlands and in coastal regions. The tree has large, velvet-skinned fruits called makua, which contain an off-white powdery material that can be made into a refreshing drink, which is rich in vitamin C and has twice as much calcium as milk. The leaves can be cooked fresh as a vegetable, and the fibrous bark is good for making mats. The rainforest contains rare tropical woods such as blackwood, ebony, and sandalwood. There is also yellowwood and mahogany. In the woodlands and savanna, there's a mopane tree, a single stem tree with distinctive butterfly-shaped leaves. The mopane tree gains its presence and importance in the Angola fauna as an important food for the mopane worm. The tree is slim and gray-trunked and often growing up to 30 meters or 100 feet in height. It has a crown of rigid, irregular branches and grows in a riparian habitat along the Kunene River among the dry forests of southern Angola. The leaves are often described as beautiful or elegant, or like butterflies, and they close up in the heat of the sun to preserve moisture. The mopane worm, which solely eats the leaves, are the caterpillars of the magnificent mopane emperor moth. The caterpillars can reach 10 centimeters, or 2.5 inches, in length, and are an important part of the diet of many local people who consider them a great delicacy. They are rich in protein, usually roasted. Some 34 species of birds feed on these nutritious insects, so this tree plays an important part in the ecosystem of life in these areas of Angola. Wildlife There are approximately 291 mammals, 117 amphibians, 278 reptiles, and 983 bird species observed in Angola. Common mammals you may encounter include the giant otter shrew, Congo golden moles, aardvarks, red-tailed monkeys, zebra, beecrofts flying squirrels, antelopes, and hedgehogs. Fisher's thick-toed geckos, large-scale grass lizards, and olive marsh snakes are typical representatives of the reptilian population. For amphibians, a variety of frogs, toads, and squeakers can be found. Common bird species include ostriches, albatrosses, shearwaters, petrels, herons, egrets, flamingos, and storks. Angola also has a couple of African penguin populations which are endangered. Angola's land, air, and surrounding water host several potentially deadly animals. The seven most dangerous animals are the Nile crocodile, Cape buffalo, puff adders, African lion, black rhino, common hippo, and mosquitoes. People the majority of today's Angolans are Bantu peoples, including the Ovimbundu, that's 37%, 
Mbundu, 25%, Bakongo, 13%, Mestizo, which is a mixed European and Native African, at 2%, European at 1%, and then Other at 22%. Of Mbundu, traditionally a largely rural people of the Central Highlands, migrated to the cities in large numbers in search of employment in the 20th century. The Mbundu are concentrated around Angola's capital, Luanda, in the north-central provinces. While some Mbundu still speak Kimbundu, many among this minority speak Portuguese as a first language. Spanning both sides of the Congo River, Bakongo people predominate in Angola's impoverished but oil-rich northwest, including the Atlantic exclave of Cabinda. Bakongo are known as shrewd, energetic people, whether as organizers of business, blending of different churches, or political movements. In southwestern provinces are semi-nomadic, cattle-keeping peoples, most of whom are Ambo Nianeka Nikumbi, also known as Nianeka Humbe, or Herero. Scattered bands of San and Kwisi peoples, who live chiefly by hunting, gathering, and petty trade, continue their nomadic existence in the southernmost provinces. Prior to independence in 1975, Angola had a community of approximately 350,000 Portuguese, but the vast majority left after independence and the ensuing civil war. However, Angola has recovered its Portuguese minority in recent years. Currently, there are about 200,000 registered with the consulate and increasing due to the debt crisis in Portugal and the relative prosperity in Angola. The Chinese population stands at about 258,920, mostly composed of temporary migrants. Also, there is a small Brazilian community of about 5,000 people. Portuguese is the official language, with 71.2% speaking it. Other languages spoken include Umbundu, Kikongo, Kimbundu, Chokwe, Nyahaneka, Niganguela, Fiote, Kwanhama, Muhumbi, and Luvale. About 40% of Angolans live below the poverty line, and unemployment is widespread, especially among the large young adult population. Only about 70% of the population is literate, and the rate drops to around 60% for women. The youthful population, about 45%, are under the age of 15, is expected to continue growing rapidly with a fertility rate of more than five children per woman and a low rate of contraceptive use. Fewer than half of women deliver their babies with the assistance of trained health care personnel, which contributes to Angola's high maternal mortality rate. History The Portuguese arrived in modern-day Angola in 1483. Although they failed to discover the gold and other precious metals they were seeking, the Portuguese found in Angola an excellent source of slaves for their colony in Brazil. Portuguese colonization of Angola began in 1575, when a permanent base was established at Luanda. By this time, the Mabundu kingdom had established itself in central Angola. After several attempts to control the nation, Portuguese troops finally broke the back of the kingdom in 1902, when the Bié Plateau was captured. Construction of the Benguela Railroad followed, and white settlers arrived in the Angolan highlands. Through the 17th and 18th centuries, Angola became a major Portuguese trading area for slaves, supplying Brazil and the Americas with slave labor, 
1836, slave trade was officially abolished by the Portuguese government. In 1961, anti-Portuguese revolts erupted at coffee plantations, resulting in 50,000 deaths. Forced labor was abolished and rebels were emboldened. In 1974, following a coup in Portugal, Angola became independent. The newly founded nation had friendly relations with the Soviet Union, Cuba, and the People's Republic of Mozambique. The country was governed by the People's Movement for the Liberation of Angola, or MPLA, which was responsible for the transition into a Marxist-Leninist one-party state. The group was backed by both Cuba and the Soviet Union, as well as from the Warsaw Pact countries. Antonio Agostino Nito served as the first president of Angola beginning in 1975. An opposing group, known as the National Union for the Total Independence of Angola, or UNITA, sparked a civil war against the MPLA, with the backing of both apartheid, South Africa, and the United States, establishing the Democratic People's Republic of Angola in opposition to the People's Republic of Angola. The United States did everything it could to prevent the spread of communism in Africa, and this is the largest example. This civil war represented one of the most violent proxy conflicts of the Cold War, resulting in 1.4 to 1.5 million deaths in the years spanning from 1975 to 2001, and causing the internal displacement of more than 4 million people. In the 1980s, South Africa continued to support UNITA, and the Luanda government lost hope of a military victory in the short term. In 1988, the Battle of Quito, Cuanavale, where Cuban and South African-backed forces battled to a stalemate, led to the Tripartite Accord, which secured Namibia's independence and the withdrawal of Cuban and South African forces from Angola. In 1991, the MPLA and UNITA signed the peace agreement known as the Bises Accords, which allowed for multi-party elections in Angola. In 1992, the People's Republic of Angola was constitutionally seceded by the Republic of Angola and elections were held. However, the peace agreement did not last, as Savimbi rejected the election results and fighting resumed across the country until his death in 2002. UNITA and MPLA reached a ceasefire at this time but regular democratic processes did not prevail until the elections in 2008 and 2012 and the adoption of the prevailing dominant party system. In 2004, oil production in Angola reached 1 million barrels per day. In 2012, Angola began a $5 billion sovereign wealth fund to funnel the country's oil wealth into investment projects. José Eduardo dos Santos stepped down as president of Angola after 38 years in 2017, being peacefully succeeded by Juano Lorenzo Santos, chosen successor. With an area of approximately 7,290 square kilometers, the northern Angolan province of Cabinda is separated from the rest of the country by a 60-kilometer-wide strip of the Democratic Republic of Congo and the lower Congo River. The town of Cabinda is a chief population center, and the total population is 825,000, according to the latest estimate. 
Consisting largely of tropical forests, Cabinda produces hardwoods, coffee, cocoa, crude rubber, and palm oil. The product for which Cabinda is best known, however, is its oil, which has given it the nickname the Kuwait of Africa. Cabinda's petroleum production accounts for more than half of Angola's output and stems from considerable offshore reserves that were discovered under Portuguese rule by the Cabinda Gulf Oil Company from 1968 onwards. Today, there are also some new offshore oil wells in the southern parts of the province, which started production in 2013 and 2014. Investments in the new onshore oil fields in Cabinda are seen as being insecure, however, due to the falling oil prices and because Cabindan separatists have made it clear that they will not accept oil installations onshore without resistance. Soon after Portugal handed over sovereignty of its former overseas province of Angola to the local independent groups, the MPLA party, or Movimento Popular de Libertação de Angola, took control of the new republic in the MPLA's armed wing FAA, Forças Armadas Angolanas, also took control over Cabinda. Cabinda was formerly a separate Portuguese protectorate, however, that was never explicitly handed over to the new Republic of Angola. Cabindan independence movements, therefore, consider the occupation of the territory by Angola illegal. The Cabinda War is an ongoing separatist insurgency waged by the Front for the Liberation of the Enclave of Cabinda, or FLEC, against the government of Angola. FLEC aims at the restoration of the self-proclaimed Republic of Cabinda, located within the borders of the Cabinda province in Angola. The province has, for years, been under direct military administration, and the suppression of the separatists have also included the suppression of local voices, like civil society organizations and traditional leaders. The lack of success can be partly attributed to the fact that the Cabindan independence movement has been weakened by repeated irregular fragmentation. Currently, there are four, at least four factions. Despite the claims of the FLEC of military attacks from both sides, there has been far less armed activity in Cabinda over the last few years, but a significant upsurge in nonviolent protests. In June of 2020, the FLEC leader, for instance, called for the creation of a roundtable between representatives of Cabinda and Angola for direct negotiations and for international mediation. In early February 2021, the FLEC-FAC political military leadership called on President Joe Biden and the UN to organize a referendum on the free and just self-determination of Cabinda. This seems to signify that the action has moved from an armed struggle to civilian protests. There are also, however, strong indications that the government suppression of the civilian peaceful protests is heavy. For instance, in January 2019, there was a large protest march in Cabinda, and dozens of protesters and their leaders were arrested, in addition to the violent and excessive use of force by state security forces to break up the march according to Amnesty International. The violent crackdown of protests in 2019 and 2020, and the arrests made in Luanda in February 2021, 
indicate that in contrast to the other parts of Angola, where there has been some progress in the right to protest and in freedom of expression, the situation in Cabinda remains tense, with protests and arrests on a regular basis. Current Political and Humanitarian Issues As we touched on above, much of Angola's wealth lies in the Cabinda province, where a decades-long separatist conflict still simmers. The government has sent thousands of troops to subdue the rebellion in the exclave. The crackdown on activists in this area continues. Human rights groups have alleged abuses against civilians recently in Angola. The rights to freedom of expression, assembly, and association were restricted, and activists face arbitrary arrests and detentions, especially in the exclave of Cabinda. Since 2017, the government of Yao Lorenzo has made fighting corruption its flagship, so much so that many individuals of the previous government are either jailed or awaiting trial. The government approved the country's long-awaited human rights strategy in February of 2020, making human rights an issue of state security. Angolan authorities began in 2020 to implement measures to fight human trafficking, which according to the government is reaching alarming levels. Victims included children used as beggars and women used for sexual exploitation. Angola is classified as not free by Freedom House in the Freedom in the World 2021 report. The report in part states, Angola has been ruled by the same party since independence, and authorities have systematically repressed political dissent. Corruption, due process violations, and abuses by security forces remain common. Since President Lorenzo's election in 2017, the government eased some restrictions on the press and civil society, but challenges persist. With similar findings, a prior report in 2012 by the U.S. Department of State said, the three most important human right abuses that year were official corruption and impunity, limits on the freedoms of assembly, association, speech, and press, and cruel and excessive punishment, including reported cases of torture and beatings, as well as unlawful killings by police and other security personnel. In addition to this, on the 2019 Ibrahim Index of African Governance, it scored 40 out of 100 in overall governance, ranking 43rd out of 54 African countries. It scores lower than the African average at 48.8 and lower than the regional average for South Africa at 53.3. It scored particularly bad in the areas of public perception of human development and satisfaction with education provision. To note, it has had a positive trend since 2010, with numbers increasing toward a more favorable rating. It scored high in security and safety. 2020 was a year of great distress. Security forces in the country used excessive force to impose COVID-19 restrictions, and dozens of people, including children, were unlawfully killed. Human rights defenders were arrested for disseminating health information and distributing masks and hand sanitizer to indigenous communities. Angolan authorities continued to forcibly evict people and conduct dwelling demolitions without the necessary procedural guarantees of the provision of alternate adequate housing or adequate compensation for those evicted. 
This practice continued even during the COVID-19 crisis. These evictions have been happening since 2013, where hundreds of families have been evicted since. Some from an informal settlement area in Luanda were evicted by a company contracted by the office of Luanda's governor to modernize the city. Angola has upgraded critical infrastructure, an investment made possible by funds from the nation's development of oil resources. According to a report, just slightly more than 10 years after the end of the Civil War, Angola's standard of living has overall greatly improved. Life expectancy, which was just 46 years in 2002, reached 51 years in 2011. Mortality rates for children fell from 25% in 2001 to 19% in 2010. And the number of students enrolled in primary school has tripled since 2001. However, at the same time, the social and economic inequality that has characterized the country for so long has not diminished, but on the contrary deepened in all respects. A study carried out in 2008 by the Angolan Instituto Nacional de Estatística found that in rural areas, roughly 58% must be classified as poor according to the UN norms. However, in urban areas, only 19% and an overall rate of 37%. There are dramatic differences between the countryside and the cities, where now slightly more than 50% of the people live. High poverty rates and blatant social inequality chiefly stems from persistent authoritarianism, neo-patrimonial practices at all levels of the political, administrative, military, and economic structures, and of a pervasive corruption. The main beneficiaries are political, administrative, economic, and military power holders who have accumulated and continue to accumulate enormous wealth. In the Human Development Index, Angola constantly ranks in the bottom group. The enormous differences between the regions pose a serious structural problem for the Angolan economy, illustrated by the fact that about one-third of economic activities are concentrated in Luanda and neighboring Bengo province, while several areas of the interior suffer economic stagnation and even regression. The small fringe of Angolan society, where most of the asset accumulation takes place, seeks to spread its assets for reasons of security and profit. For the time being, the biggest share of these investments is concentrated in Portugal, where the Angolan presence, including the family of the state president, in banks as well as in the domains of energy, telecommunications, and mass media has become notable, as has the acquisition of vineyards and orchards as well as tourist enterprises. In January 2020, A leak of government documents known as the Luanda Leaks showed that United States consulting companies such as Boston Consulting Group, McKinsey & Company, and PricewaterhouseCoopers had helped members of the family of the former president, José Eduardo dos Santos, especially his daughter Isabel dos Santos, corruptly run Sonengal for their own personal profit, helping them use the company's revenues to fund vanity projects in France and Switzerland. Another area of concern, Angola is used as a transshipment point for cocaine destined for Western Europe and other African states, particularly South Africa. Government The Republic of Angola adopted its constitution in 2010. It abolished the direct election of the president, 
created term limits, and clarified land rights. In the classifications used in constitutional laws, this government falls under the category of authoritarian regime. The executive branch consists of the president having the executive authority over the government. The vice president serves as the deputy head of state. The cabinet serves each specific designated ministry. The president is elected as the leader of the party who has received the most votes in the National Assembly. The vice president and cabinet members are appointed by the president. The president, vice president, and cabinet members all serve a five-year term. The judicial branch consists of the Supreme Court, which is given the power to administer justice and discharge jurisdictional duties on a nationwide level. The President appoints the 16 Supreme Court judges upon recommendation of an association of magistrates, and he appoints the Attorney General. The Supreme Court judges have lifetime appointment. The legislative branch consists of the National Assembly, which is responsible for the creation of laws as the legislating body of Angolan government. The National Assembly has 220 members who are elected through a closed-list proportional representation system. They are appointed for a four-year term. The Angolan Armed Forces are headed by a Chief of Staff who reports to the Minister of Defense. There are three divisions, the Army, Navy, and National Air Force. Compulsory service is for males 20 to 45 years old and voluntary for males starting at age 18. Registration at age 18 is mandatory. Females 20 to 45 years old qualify for voluntary service. All who serve are under a two-year conscription with Angolan citizenship required. The Navy is entirely staffed with volunteers. The National Police Departments are Public Order, Criminal Investigation, Traffic and Transport, Investigation and Inspection of Economic Activities, Taxation and Frontier Supervision, Riot Police, and the Rapid Intervention Police. Citizenship Citizenship is not a right of being born in the country. Citizen by descent only is granted if at least one parent is a citizen of Angola. Dual citizenship is not recognized. Residency requirements for naturalization is 10 years. Economy Angola has vast mineral and petroleum reserves and its economy is among the fastest growing in the world, especially since the end of the Civil War. However, economic growth is highly uneven, with most of the nation's wealth concentrated in a disproportionately small sector of the population. The standard of living remains low for most Angolans. Angola has a controlled economic system in which the central government directs the economy regarding the production and distribution of goods. It is considered a developing upper-middle-income nation. The top industries are petroleum, diamonds, iron ore, and phosphates. China is Angola's biggest trade partner and export destination, as well as the fourth-largest source of imports. Agriculture accounts for 50.18% of the employed sector, 41.7% of employed work and services, and 8.1% in industry. The unemployment rate is 6.77%, that was of 2020. Angola's economy is overwhelmingly driven by its oil sector. Oil production and its supporting activities contribute about 50% of GDP, more than 70% of government revenue, and more than 90% of the country's exports. Angola is an OPEC member. 
diamonds contribute an additional 5% to exports. Subsistence agriculture provides the main livelihood for most of the people, but half of the country's food is still imported, and thousands of Angolan small-scale farmers are trapped in poverty. Continued low oil prices, the depreciation of the Kwanzaa, and slower-than-expected growth in non-oil GDP have reduced growth prospects, although several major international oil companies remain in Angola. Corruption, especially in the extractive sectors, is a major long-term challenge that poses an additional threat to the economy. Industries include petroleum, diamonds, iron ore, phosphates, feldspar bauxite, uranium gold, cement, basic metal products, fish processing, food processing, brewing, tobacco products, sugar, textiles, and ship repair. Agriculture and forestry are areas of potential opportunity for the country. The World Bank estimates that less than 3% of Angola's abundant fertile land is cultivated, and the economic potential of the forestry sector remains largely unexploited. Agricultural products include cassava, bananas, maize, sweet potatoes, pineapples, sugarcane, potatoes, citrus fruit, and cabbage. Aquaculture production in Angola is currently modest, with a focus on tilapia and catfish, but government efforts are underway to expand production, supported by an $11.1 million loan from the UN International Fund for Agricultural Development. Today, the Angolan government, local private sector, and international entities are heavily focused on fisheries development to advance the country's economic diversification, generate employment opportunities, and expand food production capacity both for national consumption and for export. Companies from Poland, Portugal, Spain, Russia, South Korea, Taiwan, and Italy are active in the fisheries business in Angola. To support the advancement of fishing activities, Poland funded a $22 million construction of fisheries training and technical support academy in the province of Namib in 2008. In 2010, Poland provided another $90 million credit line to Angola for the second phase of the Namib Fishing Academy designed to train up to 2,000 students. There is a large artisanal fishing fleet in Angola with around 100,000 people earning their living in the fishery sector, including 50,000 artisanal fishermen organized in groups that fish in teams and share equipment, such as 9,000 engine-powered boats. The coasts of Benguela and Luanda provinces have the greatest concentration of artisanal fishing. As part of the National Development Plan to improve production quality and living standards in artisanal fishing communities, the Angolan government is providing microcredit and regional support centers with facilities for boat and gear maintenance, fish processing, and docks. Angola's economic freedom score is 54.2, making its economy the 140th freest in the 2021 index. Its overall score has increased by 2.0 points, primarily because of an improvement in judicial effectiveness. Angola is ranked 30th among 47 countries in the sub-Saharan Africa region, and its overall score is below the regional and world averages. This year, Angola made further progress, reinforcing its escape from the ranks of the repressed in 2019. 
However, economic growth has stagnated in the past five years, and the country's economic prospects remain poor. Burdensome regulations, restrictions, and weak institutions are barriers to entry both for informal workers and for international investors. When President José Eduardo dos Santos stepped down in 2017, after 38 years in power, former Defense Minister Joao Manuel González Lorenzo from Dos Santos' ruling popular movement for the liberation of Angola was elected to succeed him. Lorenzo quickly moved to terminate the Dos Santos family's control of the Sonangal State Oil Company and Angola's Sovereign Wealth Fund. Angola is one of Africa's largest oil producers, but because of production problems and the long global oil price slump, exports of crude oil have fallen to their lowest level in more than a decade. Despite the country's oil, diamonds, hydroelectric potential, and rich agricultural land, most Angolans remain poor and dependent on subsistent farming. The labor force is mostly split into two sectors. Agriculture accounts for 85% and industry and services 15%. The unemployment rate in 2021 is at 6.9%. Unemployment rate for youth ages 15 to 24 is at 39.4%. Exports. Exports amount to $36 billion. That was of 2019. Top exported goods include oil and mineral fuels, precious stones and metals, and industrial machinery. The main export partners are China, India, United States, Taiwan, France, Portugal, South Africa, Brazil, Japan, and the UK. Imports. Imports amount to $25 billion. Products include machinery and electrical equipment, vehicles and spare parts, medicines, food, textiles, and military goods. Main import partners are Portugal, China, U.S., South Africa, Brazil, and U.K. Urbanism and Architecture Most people live in the western half of the country. Urban areas account for the highest concentrations of people, particularly the capital of Luanda. St. Michael's Fortress was built in 1576 by Angola's first captain governor, Paulo Dias de Novais. It was once the administrative center of the country and later became a holding place for slaves being sent to Brazil. One of the things that is most beautiful about the fortress are the ornate wall tiles that tell the story of Angola's history. It also displays plenty of other ancient relics. In 1996, the St. Michael Fortress became a UNESCO World Heritage Site. Since then, it has become one of the most popular places to visit in the city of Luanda. There is a second fortress which is on the UNESCO's tentative list for its historical importance. It is the Fortress of São Pedro de Barra. It sits up on a hill and was built in the 1600s on the ruins of Morro de Casandama. It, too, was a holding place for slaves, but they were ones that would be shipped to the United States. More recently, it was used as a prison for arrested nationalists during Angola's War of Independence. There is a National Museum of Slavery, which was founded in 1977. It sits along Luanda's coastline. This museum displays photos and lithographs which share a telling story. Angola was one of the largest slave traders along the west coast of Africa. 
The site where the museum sits is where slaves were baptized before being put on ships heading to the USA. At Avenida Cuatro de Fevereiro, which is also known as the Marginal, there's a walkway which runs parallel to Luanda Bay and is a great place to walk. It has great views of the sea and the boats coming in and out of the port. It is also lined with some beautiful buildings. At one end of the avenue is the port, which is famous for its clock, while one of the old forts is at the other end. Urban population is 66.2% of total population. The highest populated city is Luanda, and second, Lubango. Households. Especially in rural areas, the extended family remains important. An income may be shared with one or more unemployed relatives. Immigrants look for housing, land, and basic assistance from their relatives, and several generations in nuclear families may form a single household. In towns, the importance of the extended family is diminishing. In most Angolan societies, inheritance is patrilineal, with children inheriting from their father. Marriage Marriage and cohabitation take many forms. Some couples are wed in church or by the state, Others have their wedding blessed by their parents, and others do not formalize their cohabitation with a ceremony. In most cultures, a couple find a home of their own or live with their husband's parents. Many spouses live apart for considerable periods of time. Often the economic situation is so desperate that they have to look for means of subsistence on their own. Women often are widowed as there are more women than men of marriageable age there is a relatively high number of polygamous households. Child-rearing Young children are most likely to be taken care of by the mother and may be strapped into a cloth on her back while she engages in household chores, agricultural work, or selling at the local market. Other relatives may be equally important in a child's upbringing. Thus, children may stay with their grandparents for considerable periods of time, and especially when they are older, spend a great deal of time with the father or mother's brother's family. Religion The Constitution defines the state as secular, prohibits religious discrimination, and provides for freedom of religion. The law requires religious groups to seek government recognition by meeting rigorous criteria. The government has not recognized any new religious groups since passage in 2004 of the law that requires religious groups to have at least 100,000 citizens as members. The government did not respond to Muslim community groups' requests for government recognition submitted in 2005. Roman Catholics make up 41.1%, Protestants 38.1%, other at 8.6%, and none at 12.3%. As of 2008, the U.S. State Department estimates the Muslim population at 80 to 90,000, less than 1% of the population, while the Islamic community of Angola puts the figure closer to 500,000. Muslims consist largely of migrants from West Africa and the Middle East, especially Lebanon, although some are local converts. The Angolan government does not legally recognize any Muslim organizations and often shut down mosques or prevents their construction. For many people, there is no contradiction between Christian faith and aspects of African religions. Thus, religious specialists such as diviners and healers hold an important position in society. 
the government with its socialist outlook has been in frequent conflict with religious leaders. Because the Roman Catholic Church has great influence and was associated with Portuguese colonialism, relations with that faith have been especially tense. Since the move toward a more liberal political system, relations with the established churches have eased considerably, although troubling incidents continue to occur. An unknown number of residents do not profess any religion. In many Angolan societies, a funeral is an extremely important event. Mourning rituals often are regarded as essential for the peace of the deceased's soul. Culture Angolan culture reflects centuries of Portuguese rule, namely predominance of the Portuguese language, the Catholic Church, and a variety of indigenous customs and traditions. In 2014, Angola resumed the National Festival of Angolan Culture after a 25-year break. The festival took place in all the provincial capitals and lasted for 20 days with the theme, Culture as a Factor of Peace and Development. The most common greeting is the handshake, with most people using the right hand. Close friends may embrace, kiss, or offer a friendly backslap. The greeting process can take some time and should never be rushed. It's best to always greet elders first. It's also customary to bow when introduced to someone who is obviously older or has a more senior position. This is often the case in rural versus urban areas. In rural areas, women do not tend to look the other person directly in the eye. This tends to be less pronounced with younger Angolans and in the capital city, Luanda. In general, dress codes are not strict. In some areas, women are supposed to wear long-hemmed skirts, but this rule is not strictly applied. Younger people are expected to address elders politely. The ability to speak well is a highly admired trait in both men and women. In some communities, men do not eat with women and children. In business settings, men generally wear dark-colored conservative suits with shirts and ties. Women wear stylish business suits or dresses and blouses. Some makeup and accessories are usually worn. Being well-groomed and having all clothing neatly pressed is appreciated. Although not all Angolans have business cards, they expect expats and business travelers to have them. It's best to present your card so that it's readable to the recipient. When meeting for business, the first meeting is often used to get better acquainted, and business may not even be discussed. It is often used to determine if you are the type of person with whom they would want to do business. Meetings are not always private, and it may appear that there are several meetings taking place in the same room. Agendas are not part of the business culture. If provided, they generally act as a starting point for discussions rather than an itemized list of what will be covered. It is best to avoid attempting to adhere to a strict agenda until a relationship has been established, and even then it might be a challenge. Meetings tend to have a formal ambiance. Angolans strive to please others, and as a result have a tendency to say what they think the other person wants to hear. It is often difficult to get definite answers to questions, especially if the response would be negative. You may get a yes when the answer is actually no. It is important to watch for evasions or half-statements. Rather than accept assurances at face value, it's best to ask for specifics so that both sides have the same understanding of what statements mean. If you are invited to an Angolan's home, 
Bringing fruit, flowers, or chocolates to the host is a good idea. A small gift for children is always appreciated. Gifts are not always opened at the time they are received. Small retail trade is very important in people's survival strategies. Women are especially important in selling food and firewood, and men predominate in trade in arms, diamonds, and spare parts. Most of the people who work in the transport and building sectors are men. Many gender divisions have been overturned. For example, women may clear strips of land to prepare the soil for agriculture, while men may collect and sell firewood. Generally, women are important in farming and the local food trade, while cattle herders and wage laborers are usually men. As far as classes go, the country is divided along many lines. Before the 20th century colonialism, the rich trading families formed a local elite that looked down on the gentio, or the pagans or the crowd. During the colonial era, an extremely hierarchical society was created in which Portuguese rulers gave some advantages to African assimilados, or the assimilated people, over the great majority of indigenas, or indigenous people. Although the number of assimilados was never high, they were sharply divided, mainly on regional and religious lines. These divisions are reflected in the founding of political parties and are used for propaganda purposes. The various elites have a number of common characteristics, such as regarding wealth and expenditure as the most important indicator of class. The display of wealth is the most important way to show a superior position in society. This display may take the form of individual material possessions such as cars, yachts, and clothing. It also is manifested in the activities people undertake. Flashy, rich youths go to Luanda's expensive discos and nightclubs. Material wealth also may be expressed by acting as a patron, for example, by holding lavish parties for large groups of people and distributing gifts. Despite the advocacy of gender equality, there are clear discrepancies between the status of women and men. Few women are in top positions in political, economic, and military affairs. Often women are paid less than men in the same jobs. In 2019, same-sex relationships were decriminalized in Angola, and the government also prohibited discrimination based on sexual orientation. Those in breach could face up to two years in prison. The vote was overwhelming, 155 for, one against, and seven abstaining. The changes were finally signed into law in November of 2020. Education. The literacy rate is 71.1%. Although, by law, education in Angola is compulsory and free for eight years, the government reports that a percentage of pupils are not attending due to a lack of school buildings and teachers. Pupils are often responsible for paying additional school-related expenses, including fees for books and supplies. In September of 2014, the Angolan Ministry of Education announced an investment of 16 million euros in the computerization of over 300 classrooms around the country. The project also includes training teachers at a national level as a way to introduce and use new information technologies in primary schools, thus reflecting an improvement in the quality of teaching. Healthcare. Many people don't have access to basic medical assistance. Many hospitals are lacking basic equipment and personnel. 
Many deaths are a direct consequence of malnutrition and undernourishment. With basic health care in disarray, many people seek help from traditional healers. These medical religious specialists often deal with psychological problems, and many have extensive knowledge of herbal remedies. The degree of risk for major infectious disease is very high. Food or waterborne diseases include bacterial and protozoal diarrhea, hepatitis A, and typhoid fever. Vector-borne diseases include dengue fever and malaria. Schistosomiasis and rabies are also present. Epidemics of cholera, malaria, rabies, and African hemorrhage fevers are common in several parts of the country. Many regions in this country have high incident rates of tuberculosis and high HIV prevalence. Life Expectancy Life expectancy rate at birth is 59.3 years for males and 63.4 years for women. That was from 2020. It is among the lowest in the world. The country ranks number 11 in infant mortality rate with 62.3 deaths per 1,000 live births in 2020. Food A lot of popular Angolan dishes are stew-based. The common ingredients are rice, beans, chicken, pork, fish, sweet potato, tomatoes, and okra with various sauces. Coastal people include a lot of seafood in their diet. Herders in the southwest rely mostly on dairy products and meat. And farmers eat maize, sour gum, cassava, and other agricultural crops. Gathering water and firewood is necessary and often time-consuming. Salt is a highly prized product in many areas. Some of the popular dishes you will find in Angola. Traditional Angolan dish called kizaka, sometimes spelled kwisaka or kisaka, is one of the most popular vegetarian dishes in the country. It is made with boiled cassava leaves mixed with ground peanuts. Cassava and peanuts are stewed until the dish develops a thick consistency, while the peanuts form a silky, nutty sauce. Although it is nowadays regarded as the national dish of the country, Kizaka has an interesting historical background. For centuries, Angola was a Portuguese colony, and Kizaka, like most Angolan dishes, is a combination of European influences and authentic African ingredients. Katatos At its most basic, the dish is made by frying caterpillars with garlic, but it can be enriched with the addition of onions, peppers, and tomatoes. The caterpillars should be quite tender, but with a crunchy texture, and some say that they taste like prawns. The dish is packed with nutritional value since the caterpillars have higher doses of protein and iron than fish and beef. It is recommended to serve katatos with rice, fungi, and hot sauce. Cocada amarela is a sweet Angolan custard or pudding that was originally brought over to the country by the Portuguese and was then modified by the locals. It consists of water, sugar, salt, grated coconut, and eggs. The dessert is characterized by a vivid yellow color, which is the result of a large amount of egg yolks, hence its name that can be translated as yellow cocada. Then there's chikwanga or kwanga. It's a traditional bread from the Democratic Republic of Congo, consisting of cassava flour cakes that are wrapped in dry banana leaves and then steamed. Its savory flavor pairs well with most of the main meals in the country. It is especially popular to serve warm chikwanga with various African stews, soups, and sauces, 
as it helps to slightly offset their spicy flavors. This cassava-based bread is typically cut into thick round slices before it's served on the plates. Once prepared, chikwanga will keep for a few days, but only if it's kept in the leaf wrapper in a dry and cool place. Leite Aceda People from the indigenous Mukubal community are known to raise their cattle, the Mukubi cattle, which have long supplied them with cow's milk that needed to be preserved for extended use, thus giving rise to their long tradition of making sour milk called Leite Aceda. To make this traditional milk product, the women from the community collect the fresh milk into a hoopa, a gourd, which has been cut open and hollowed out but has not been washed. The milk is then allowed to ferment for several hours before it is stirred vigorously for about half an hour. Piri piri or peri peri is a spicy sauce originating from either Angola or Mozambique. Variations of the sauce have been around for a long time, since the 15th century when the Portuguese settlers in Angola and Mozambique used bird's eye chili peppers and combined them with red wine vinegar, paprika, garlic, and other imports from Europe. Muamba de Galinha, or chicken muamba, is a dish made with chicken, red palm oil sauce called muamba de dendem, garlic, okra, and gindungo, a variety of Angolan hot chili pepper. Palm oil gives the dish a specific flavor, while lycopene provides the red color. Studies have shown its various health benefits. It is rich in antioxidants, helpful in preventing heart disease, and regulates cholesterol. Since Angola was a Portuguese colony for ages, Portuguese gastronomy had a great influence on Angolan cuisine, so as a result, many Angolan dishes are based on meat and palm oil. Kalulu this hearty stew is commonly enjoyed in Sao Tomé e Príncipe and Angola. It is typically prepared with fresh or dry fish and shrimps when it goes under the name Kalulu du Peixe. Some versions can also contain meat. Additional ingredients include okra, onions, tomatoes, eggplants, and finely chopped greens, such as sweet potato leaves or cassava leaves. Kalulu is traditionally accompanied by rice or fungi, a creamy cassava porridge. One of the most popular foods in Angola, fungi, is an essential side dish accompanying breakfast, lunch, and dinner meals in many households of rural families throughout the country. It is a type of porridge made from cassava flour that is stirred into water. Fungi has a sticky, smooth, and creamy texture, while a slightly bland flavor makes it great for evening out the intense spices found in many Angolan dishes. Traditionally, at their most basic, the dishes consist of fungi and a full-flavored spicy sauce. Cabidela is a Portuguese dish consisting of rice and poultry or game meat cooked together with the animal's blood. Rice can be cooked alongside meat or served on the side, while red wine or vinegar are sometimes added to moderate the tartness. With its unusual dark color and a creamy texture, cabidela is considered to be a Portuguese specialty and is traditionally associated with various regions in northern Portugal. It has also been integrated into traditional Brazilian and Angolan cuisine. Arts Angola has an outstanding literary tradition. An important genre has been political poetry, of which the former president, Agostinho Neto, 
was a significant representative. The arts, relatively free from censorship, have been an important way to express criticism of the political system. Oral literature is important in many communities, including mermaids in Luandan lore, Ovimbundu trickster tales, and the development of explanations for the sand graphs found in the East. There are well-stocked libraries in Luanda as well as a national archive. Crafts, such as wood carving and pottery, are sold in neighboring countries. Luanda has a number of museums, including the Museum of Anthropology. Angolan music, with its ties to Brazil, has received international attention. Celebrations Independence Day is November 11. Apart from Christian holidays, a wide range of occasions are commemorated, such as the founding of the MPLA, the beginning of the armed struggle, and the anniversary of NATO, the first president. Sports The most popular spectator sports are soccer and basketball. Basketball is the most popular sport in the country. Its national team has won the Afro Basket 11 times and holds the record of most titles. As a top team in Africa, it is a regular competitor at the Summer Olympic Games and the FIBA World Cup. In football, or soccer, Angola hosted the 2010 African Cup of Nations. The Angola national football team qualified for the 2006 FIFA World Cup, their first appearance in the World Cup Finals. Angola has participated in the World Women's Handball Championship for several years. The origins of Capoeira, Angola, may go all the way back to the 16th century when slaves from western Central Africa were forced over the Atlantic to the city of Salvador and the surrounding region known as the Reconcavo. Capoeira, Angola, is considered by many as one of the primary cultural expressions of the African-Brazilian experience through the centuries. In particular, the Congo-Angolan people who were forced into slavery in great numbers throughout the 17th century. There are many claims regarding the origins of capoeira, but there is a wide agreement that capoeira in Brazil is directly connected to the enslavement and forceful transport of African slaves by the Portuguese. There is, however, much speculation and debate regarding in what form it arrived and how it evolved in Brazil. The famous capoeira Angola master Vincente Pastinha who is credited to have helped preserve capoeira, Angola, claimed that his own teacher, a man from Angola named Benedito, told him that capoeira came from the Negolo dance that was practiced in the country of Angola. There are yet many other theories about capoeira's origins, and in recent years there has been an increase in research done on the subject. Throughout time, capoeira has often been a means of ensuring that the African traditions would survive through adversity. Capoeira has endured slavery and fierce political oppression that continued after the ban on slavery. The practice of capoeira and the identity of being a capoeira practitioner was made illegal and remained so until 1940. Kept alive by Mestre Pastinha, who opened his school in 1941, Capoeira Angola marked a renewed interest in a more complete version of the traditions, rituals, and history of the art. Despite the variety of styles and influences on the ritual game of capoeira, 
there has always been a general agreement among practitioners regarding the fundamental characteristics of the art. Transportation Angola's air and rail transportation capacity expansion are high priorities on the Angolan government's development plans. The Chinese government has provided financing primarily for air and rail infrastructure, while the U.S. companies are leading in supply of aircraft and locomotives. There are roughly 46 paved airports in Angola. A new international airport has been under construction 40 kilometers southeast of Luanda for the past 14 years. Construction is approximately 60% complete. The airport was expected to begin operating by 2020, but the government of Angola announced that the project will be put on hold to review the design and engineering and determine if any corrective measures would need to be implemented. The government, however, still plans to commission the new Luanda Airport in 2022. Envisioned as a major transportation hub for the region, the airport is designed to accommodate 13 million passengers annually with 12 aircraft docks. The Angolan government operates three separate railroad lines, Luanda, Benguela, and Mosamedes, each with its own administrator reporting to the Ministry of Transportation. The Angola National Institute of Railroad, or INFCA, establishes the regulations and standards for railroad operations and holds enforcement authority. The Luanda line runs 425 kilometers northeast from Luanda to Malange. The Benguela line, known as the Lobito Corridor, runs 1,344 kilometers from the Lobito port east to Luau on the Democratic Republic of Congo border where a dry port and logistics center are planned. The Benguela Rail, renovation completed in 2014, was financed by the Chinese government with construction by the China Railway Construction Company. These lines are designed to connect Democratic Republic of Congo and Zambia to provide them with closer ocean port access. In December 2015, the government of Angola launched the Metropolitan Master Plan of Luanda, called Luanda 2030 which entails plans for modernizing the city's infrastructure to accommodate the 13 million population projected by that time. The plan was approved by the then newly elected government on February 28, 2018. One of the main pillars of the 2030 plan, Luanda Master Plan, is the transportation sector, with the planned installation of an above-ground urban rail that would include a connection to the new international airport that is under construction. Angola has a relatively large road network, around 76,000 kilometers. However, only 18% is paved, and a good share of the secondary and tertiary road network is impassable during rainy seasons. When passable, average speed is less than 20 kilometers per hour, rendering the commercialization of agriculture products a challenging task. It takes 49 to 531 days to export or import goods, among the longest times in Africa. Road access is particularly problematic for firms outside Luanda. Regional road corridors are underdeveloped, and the poor road condition increases transport costs and hampers Angola's value proposition as the regional transport gateway for southern DRC and landlocked Zambia and Botswana. Travel on highways outside of most towns and cities is not recommended without 4x4 vehicles. In many areas, drivers have established alternate tracks 
to avoid the worst parts of the surface, although careful attention must be paid to the presence or absence of landmine warning markers by the side of the road. The government has also recognized the need to make significant efforts to reconstruct its dilapidated road infrastructure, and it has established a road maintenance fund. It set a budget for a key highway project intended to improve transport in the country. Some $630 million will be used to widen and improve Angola's National Road 230. The work will also see 10 bridges being improved. In addition, five connecting roads will also be paved. The work will improve transport links between the capital Luanda and Malenya. At present, the journey between the two takes about five hours and the road is in poor condition in many places. However, the road works will help improve the route and cut journey times considerably. According to theglobaleconomy.com, Angola's quality of roads valued at 2.20 in 2019. The scale is 1 to 7, with 1 being the lowest. The world average in 2019 was 4.07. The country has 1,600 kilometers of Atlantic coastline and holds a solid medium to long-term potential for maritime transportation. It has four operational seaports. Communications and Media According to the BBC, the state controls all media with nationwide reach, including radio, the most influential medium outside the capital. The only daily newspaper, Journal de Angola, and the terrestrial TV service, TPA, are state-owned and rarely criticize the government. It offers three channels. State-run Radio Nacional de Angola, or RNA, is the only outlet to offer programs in indigenous languages such as Bantu. It broadcasts on five stations. A few private stations operate in cities, including Catholic Radio Ecclesia, but RNA is the only broadcaster with near-national coverage. The Constitution provides for freedom of expression, but laws on state security and defamation impede free journalism, says the U.S.-based Freedom House. It says self-censorship is commonplace and independent journalists are regularly monitored and harassed by state agents. Laws passed in 2016 put a government-controlled regulator in charge of registering and punishing media and journalists, says Reporters Without Borders. Pay TV is provided by Multi-Choice Angola and TV Cabo. The percentage of the population with Internet access is 14.34%. That was a number from July of 2018. Russia had launched the Angosat-1 satellite for Angola on December 26, 2017. Contact was established with the satellite initially, but it drifted after an electrical power issue arose and it left the communications range and was deemed unserviceable. Angosat-2 telecom satellite is being developed now and is expected to be orbiting in March of 2022. Less than 1 in 100 inhabitants have fixed telephone lines. Those having mobile cellular subscriptions is 46.6 per 100 inhabitants. Energy. They produce enough electricity for their own needs, so they don't import or export electricity. The population without electricity is 18 million. Electrification in urban areas is 61%, and in rural areas, 6%. They produce enough oil for their own needs and also export refined oil. They have a large reserve of crude oil. 
They produce enough natural gas for their own needs and export natural gas. Environment Natural hazards include locally heavy rainfall, which causes periodic flooding on the plateau. Environmental issues include overuse of pastures and subsequent soil erosion attributable to population pressures, desertification, deforestation of tropical rainforest in response to both international demand for tropical timber and to domestic use as fuel, resulting in loss of biodiversity, soil erosion contributing to water pollution, and siltation of rivers and dams, also inadequate supplies of potable water. Segment 3, Who Is? Antonio Agostino Neto was the first president of Angola. He is also known for his literary activities and is considered Angola's preeminent poet. His birthday is celebrated as National Heroes Day, which is a public holiday in Angola. The public university of Luanda, the Agostinho Nito University, is named after him. The Nito Mausoleum is an obelisk-like concrete structure towering over the city of Luanda. It occupies the center of the Agostinho Nito Cultural Center, which takes up 4.63 square miles, and serves as Nito's final resting place. The tower was designed to reference Nito's poem, The Path of Stars, and is named after his book, A Sacred Hope. At over 393 feet, it is taller than both New York's Statue of Liberty and London's Big Ben Bell Tower, dominating central Luanda's skyline. Although the project was originally awarded to a Brazilian company, it was completed by Mansudei Overseas Project, the North Korean sculptural business that has built monuments in many parts of the continent. Angola's willingness to abide by United Nations sanctions increased in late 2017, when over 150 Mansudei employees were invited to leave Angola. By January 2018, Angola had terminated all further contracts with Mansudei. Isabel Dos Santos. In 2013, Forbes declared Isabel Dos Santos the richest woman in Africa worth an estimated $3.5 billion. The daughter of Angola's longtime former president grew immensely wealthy in a textbook case of how to loot a country. Now with her father out of the office, her empire is a shadow of what it once was. With corruption charges levied against her by the country, assets frozen by courts in three different nations, and a lawsuit claiming hundreds of millions of dollars in unpaid debt in a fourth country. Forbes assumes that she has no access and likely little chance to gain back control of the frozen assets, together worth about $1.6 billion if not frozen, so in 2021 Forbes gives her no value for them, and by their calculation she is no longer a billionaire. As a result, Forbes has dropped Dos Santos, who was worth an estimated $2.2 billion, in January 2020 from their newly released 2021 list of Africa's richest people. Paul G. Paul G. is an Angolan R&B singer, songwriter, producer, and dancer who was responsible for the formation of Angola's first worldly rap group, the Southside Posse. His fame increased after he became the talent manager of Bruna Tatiana, who was the first Angolan contestant of the hit reality television show Big Brother Africa. Leila Lopez Born in 1986 in Angola, Leila Lopez is an actress, TV host, model, 
and Beauty Queen who was crowned Miss Angola UK in 2010, Miss Angola 2010, and Miss Universe in 2011. Shunos Fiel One of the few global fashion brands from Angola, Shunos Fiel has carved a niche for himself in the industry. Known for his exquisite style, he and his partner, Tixala Maat Nzinga, are the duo behind quirky avant-garde brand Projecto Mental. Segment 4. Who would have thought? Angola is famous for the giant sable antelope, which is endemic to Angola. It was thought to be extinct since 1982. However, the antelope was rediscovered in 2006, but it does remain endangered. The male horns can grow up to 186 centimeters, or almost 5.5 feet, and the female horns 142 centimeters, more than 4.5 feet. These long horns curve back and help to protect them against predators. Interesting Info During the 17th and 18th centuries, Angola was a significant Portuguese slave trading base. Between 1580 and 1680, over a million slaves were transported to Brazil. Angola is a founding member state of the Community of Portuguese Language Countries, or the CPLP, also known as the Lusophone Commonwealth an international organization and political association of Lusophone nations across four continents, where Portuguese is an official language. Angola is the largest oil producer in sub-Saharan Africa, and in 2007, the country became a member of the Organization of the Petroleum Exporting Countries, or OPEC. Angola at one time was the fourth largest coffee producer, but because of continued warfare, the industry steadily declined and collapsed. The government started a pilot program in 2010 for coffee production just east of Luanda. The Angolan government has estimated that this project will lift around 4,000 rural families out of poverty, totaling 30,000 people. The main dance in Angola is the semba. The word comes from the word masemba which means touching of the bellies, and this is what you will see with this dance. Angola has one of the youngest populations in the world. Almost 70% of the people are below the age 24. This can be attributed to the long civil war in which over 1 million people died. This is also why there's a shortage of men, and it is common practice for a man to have several wives. Cuba played an instrumental role in Angola's struggle for independence by supplying freedom fighters with weapons. Cuban revolution leader Ernesto Che Guevara was dispatched by Cuban President Fidel Castro to offer technical support to the Angolan rebel troops. It's illegal to click pictures of any government buildings or even look at them through binoculars. It's also illegal to take their currency Kwanzaa out of the country. Angola has one of the highest rates of landmine injuries per capita in the world. These were placed during the many years of civil war. Estimates for the number of landmines in Angola range from 6 to 20 million, nearly twice the population. According to the United Nations and the United States Department of State, Angola is the third most heavily mined country in the world after Egypt and Iran. The amputee population in Angola is 100,000, the highest in the world, of which 8,000 are children under the age of 15. The military, international partners, and private Angolan firms all continue to remove landmines from the country. Operation Noah's Ark 
This started out as an effort by two military brothers in Angola to see the Kisama National Park restored. It has resulted in the park being repopulated with wildlife. The park's wildlife had been nearly wiped out by the country's brutal civil war. These two brothers contacted Van Hoven, a wildlife expert who agreed to create a plan to repopulate the park, under the condition that the animals would be protected from mismanagement, illness, and poachers. Van Hoven created a foundation to raise funds for the effort. He himself contacted the CEO of Shell Oil in Angola, with the company becoming the first benefactor. The second one was the U.S. Humane Society. This led to one of the most ambitious relocation projects in modern history, a journey codenamed Operation Noah's Ark, that transported about 100 animals and seven different species from some 2,000 miles away. The relocations took place in 2001 and 2002 and had to be done partly by air and partly via ships. Russia loaned planes for the operation and Botswana donated 35 elephants. Other animals were purchased from South Africa and included giraffes, ostriches, kudu, wildebeest, zebras, and more. This park is now one of Angola's top holiday destinations. Thank you for listening. I hope you've enjoyed this episode on Angola in our Nations of the World podcast series. Please be sure to subscribe to Nations of the World podcast so you won't miss our next episode, Antigua and Barbuda. See how this tiny, dual-island nation, a year-round popular tourist destination in the Caribbean, is made up of one coral island, Barbuda, and one volcanic island, Antigua. There's also a third uninhabited island, Redonda, which is entirely a national park. Discover how one enterprising man set up sugar plantations and ushered in 50 years of sugar cultivation on the island of Antigua. Gaining knowledge about other people and their culture is often the best way to understanding who they are and why they do things a certain way. This in turn can make us less fearful of differences and hopefully more accepting. Let's face it, we're all human and we all share the same world.